Hi everyone and welcome to B Squared C, a podcast celebrating the stories of women of color in the corporate world. I am your host Nancy and I hope everyone is safe and sane wherever you're listening to this from. I myself am healthy and creatively inspired and taking it one day at a time. I had a couple of thoughts this past week and the biggest one was realizing that it is purely coincidental that B Squared C came to life in the middle of a racial pandemic. Because, as you know, it's a project that was in the making way before that. I shared on my first podcast how I wrote this idea down a year and a half ago. And I spoke about how I want to inspire every Black, Latina, and Indian, and East Asian girl out there to dream the kind of dreams that we are having right now. Of having them a seat at the most powerful tables in the corporate world. Because in reality, that is where the line is access to opportunities and platforms and people and places um, that lead to the kind of success we are seeking is a line heavily drawn by the historical impact of white supremacy on all of us globally. So the experiences you will hear on this podcast also quite apply to non-black, non-white women as well. So I still intend to take the platform in that direction. But for now, over the next few episodes, I want to put a lens on America and on black women. I will be reaching out to some friends of mine who are in corporate America to bring their experiences and voices to life, especially in the seminal time of fighting institutional racism on the ground wherever they are. And today, I'm excited to bring you my first guest in this series. Her name is Jennifer Juma, or Jen, as you will hear me refer to her throughout the podcast. Jen is based in Dallas, Texas, and she is a senior associate at Goldman Sachs, executing real estate transactions and managing risk. I also call Jen the queen of side hustles. Since she was 18, Jen has always had some sort of entrepreneurial venture going on, and she brings that energy and learnings um, into her work every day. We caught up on how she's doing right now, her entrepreneurial journey, and her exciting next step, which is getting an MBA at my undergraduate alma mater, University of Chicago. Let's get into Jen's story. Jen. Hi, Nancy. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Welcome to B Squared C. Thank you. Thanks for having me. I'm so honored and excited to be here. Ah, I'm the one who's honored to have you as a friend. So <laughs> I really appreciate you making the time. Thank you. Thank you. And thanks for having this, using this platform. Ah, absolutely. Absolutely. All right. Well, before we get into it, I would like to give people a little bit of your bio so they know how awesome you are. (laughs) (laughs) You're so sweet. (laughs) Sure. Okay. So Jen, uh, or Jennifer Juma, who is my guest today, is a senior associate at Goldman Sachs, executing real estate transactions and managing risk. And she's been at Goldman for about 6.5 years now. Um, But on the side, since she was 18, Jen is the queen of side hustles. 
she <laughs> has been pursuing entrepreneurship and she will tell us a lot more about that um since then um and what her interests are in it um i would not uh, like expose all of that right now at this time <laughs> and lastly i am super proud of jan because well you guys can't see us but we're actually wearing sort of the same shirt right now because in the fall jan is going to be starting her mba at chicago booth whoop 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 go maroon <laughs> <laughs> yeah go maroon uh and yeah if any of you guys don't know that's actually my undergrad school so it's my alma mater as well <laughs> Sorry, Michigan people, don't get upset about this. I have like multiple allegiances. <laughs> okay, Jen, to start us off right now, I just want to check in with you. How are you? I am good. It's been a rough couple of weeks, mm -hmm. but I think I'm getting better. I'm seeking spaces that, you know, are safe, where I can vent, um, mm -hmm. where I can have you know, good conversations um, and just staying in touch with my friends and family. So that's been great. Um, and I've been, you know, watching reality TV. <laughs> oh my God, is that how you are unwinding? Because that I'm having trouble, like looking away from the news, right? It's like, I wake up every morning and like there is just black trauma in front of me. Exactly. It's on the news. It's on social media. I've right. tried to take breaks every couple of days. I delete all of my apps oh, on my okay. phone, uh, take a few days break and then come back on because, you know, you want to be up to date on what's going on. But at the same right. time, it's so much trauma. So I've been trying to manage uh, being up to date on what's going on and also like taking care of my, you know, mental health as well. So important um, right now. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And then I've been out to protest once. So oh, that also okay. Felt really How was that? It was it was good. I went to uh, a dance protest. So they use dance uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. um, okay. and speeches in between. So it was also it was just, you know, uh, very uplifting. I think seeing people out there fighting for equality and fighting to change things. So I think that was also uh, just positive to see right. so yeah, right. so yeah and I think a question that I've been asking myself and having conversations with others is we've been fighting for black lives forever now right like black lives matter is like eight seven eight years old now yeah but do you feel like this is different so you're in America and you've actually been to a protest do you feel like this moment is different in any way like how is that looking so I am going to say I'm optimistic because okay. <laughs> that's, <the best, laughs> that's the best I can be. Um, I think this is different because we're also living in a pandemic as well. Right. Mm -hmm. So I think maybe everyone's just, just coupled with what's going on with pandemic. We're at home for the most part, not going to the office. I think that um, for me personally, I've had more time to like think about what's going on and mm -hmm. you know talk to friends, family. I'm a lot more outraged, but also hearing the response from different companies, all the corporates are coming out with their statements, right. uh, we are, which they haven't done in, in, in a while. I don't think I've ever seen a time where all the companies are releasing state, statements about right. Black Lives Matter. So that's, op that's positive. I think that the challenge would be seeing them... Um, you know, stick to their word and their promises. So hopefully yeah, actually do the work. 
work yeah hopefully we can hold them accountable um in a few months or years from now uh, yeah. so yeah i'm trying to you know stay positive i'm positive too <laughs> yeah and the protests have last days i've never been in a time where there were protests that you know this is week two and people are still protesting which is great i've never mm-hmm. lived in a time like this so yeah. when it's been i hard. hope it means it means something all right. Well, let's see how it uh, how it turns out. <laughs> okay. So, Jen, you are like the queen of side hustles. <laughs> I really do think you are. Like, I feel like you've been doing something for, I mean, as long as I've known your story, you've been doing something and I find it so inspirational. So let's talk about that a little bit. Sure. So I don't, I think it's probably the Nigerian in me slash like my upbringing. So uh, mm-hmm. my grandmother was a teacher and farmer and she had side hustles like selling mm-hmm. detergent, you know, um, and, and seasoning cubes and things like and shea butter. My mom, you know, worked in banking, but she also had side hustles selling clothes, selling, we used to sell margarine at one point. We sold okay. Coca-Cola. Okay. We were, we were Coca-Cola retailers as well. Really? Okay. Um, we, learn how to make juice and seal them and sell. So I grew up in an um, entrepreneurial environment as well. Like seeing my grandmom and my mom have, you know, full-time jobs, but also mm-hmm. side hustles as well. And they needed to do that to take care of the family, you know? So right. uh, it just wasn't for fun. And so growing up in that, I also kind of had that desire to want to like make my own money um, mm-hmm. as well. So I started uh, selling things in college when I was in America. I would, t- I would fill up my suitcases when I was going home for the summer with right. bed sheets, perfume, shoes, um, take them home. And then literally the next day go to church. Everybody after church will come to our car and I will open my trunk. So you were <laughs> bootlegging out of your trunk. Literally. <laughs> <laughs> so, so selling things. And like, I would, yeah. So I, I did that throughout college. Um, and then uh, after college, I moved back to Nigeria. I was working for the Central Bank of Nigeria doing my like mandatory youth service, which all Nigerian college students have to do. Mm-hmm. And you essentially make minimum wage, like very little money. So I um, started making cupcakes. I knew how to bake. So I started making cupcakes. I would bring them to work, have people try them. Um, they really mm-hmm. like them. I would keep the recipes. And then I started making cupcakes as a business. So um, a lot of my customers right. were people from work wedding weddings birthday parties i would sell at um these fairs we would have like farmers market fairs over the weekend right um, and sell cupcakes there so uh that was also a fun empowering experience and then i love it so that's yeah cupcakes right yes yes so that was jayla bakes yes and then more recently i started well a few years ago like four years ago i started making hair products Mm -hmm. so with the natural movements you know i i hopped on that movement as well i started making my own products like hair butter started making lip balm because i have Mm -hmm. seriously chapped lips so started making my own (laughs) my own lip balm you need to send me some because my skin (laughs) is dry as hell in the weather in the netherlands i'm always looking at myself like halfway through the day and my hair is like i'm ashy i'm like this weather doesn't like me. <laughs> yeah. Okay, we need to get you some. And like one full circle moment is that, mm-hmm. you know, some of the share button I'm using to make soap and hair button and lip balms are 
is Shebarana is made by my grandmother. So Aww, yeah. Nice. <laughs> so really nice. So yeah, making those. Um the goal really with creating that like business um idea essentially was to use African um ingredients and turn them into you know finished consumer products. Um especially in the market where we import a lot of our beauty products and personal care products. So right. I wanted a brand that was you know made in Nigeria using Nigerian resources that was packaged mm-hmm. nicely um and that was also you know effective and safe and you mm-hmm. know natural and all of that so i'm not working on that anymore but i hope to revive that in some form um while i'm in business school yeah question um whilst you were going through all this entrepreneurial adventures did you ever have to look for funding so i did not um and i think because they were all very small scale side hustles in a sense mm-hmm. uh, it was i i didn't really intend on scaling them but mm-hmm. to be honest if i wanted to scale like the cupcake business i would have needed funding and so okay. the lack of access to funding to scale obviously would have restricted me from you know opening a cupcake shop and things like that i ended that business right. because i left nigeria but if i stayed and i wanted to scale i would have needed funding which was hard to access but i will share though that to kick off that business like the seed funding quote unquote was i think about $200 at the time and how i okay. raised it was through something called isusu or okay. adashi um it's essentially where people pool resources together so everyone contributes like $50 each and we were four of us in the, in the isusu and then okay. one person would take all the money so it's just called like a traditional african oh. corporate I know this. I know this. Yeah. I think that we do it like literally everywhere. Like I, when I was growing up, my mom used to be in the circles. Mm-hmm, exactly. For like groceries sometimes or for kitchen mm-hmm. stuff. Um, and it's, it's kind of like micro financing almost. In a way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And informal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so right. one thing is that all of the businesses, quote unquote, I've had are all pretty much in the informal economy. Right. And so I raised funding for my cupcake business that way as well. So it was a couple of coworkers were all working at the central bank and we pulled essentially all of our, our commissions mm-hmm, mm-hmm, <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. and I took all of it for one month and that's how I started. So. Wow. Yeah. That's so interesting. So I'm wondering then, did you never scale because, well, okay. So the first business you said, because you left Nigeria, but um did you actually did you research access to funding i did and um, i actually had worked for a microfinance bank when i was in college and so having that experience i knew what the the barriers to getting funding was for for women especially young women Mm -hmm. trying to start businesses from scratch even in microfinance a lot of the customers we were servicing were more established business owners who had small businesses but not necessarily micro you know businesses so yeah i would say access to funding is definitely limited most Mm -hmm. people i know doing entrepreneurship are raising funds from their family or through you know these cooperatives um like i did and especially challenging, so I guess conventional um, f- fundraising, right, mm-hmm. uh, through like, uh, well, venture capital or something like that. I mean, there is lots of data and research around this. Really hard for women, really hard for minorities because people are investing 
in people who they trust. They, they, they don't necessarily invest in ideas. They invest in people, right? Um, and when you don't look like the people on the other side of the table, um, it's really hard to get through. To get exactly. Through. Um, okay, so how does this entrepreneurial experience and journey connect to your time at Goldman? Hmm. Good question. Um, I think overall, like my role or my time at Goldman has required me to be able to like learn quickly and pick up new um, functions and new industries uh, very quickly. Mm -hmm. And so I think with entrepreneurship, um, that's sort of helped me to be a self-starter and help Mm -hmm. me like just be able to like learn quickly. Um, the other aspects is working with clients and supporting clients in my side hustles. That's definitely a skill set that uh, translates to my work uh, where I have okay. to work uh, with clients, with tight deadlines uh, and things like that. So that's another one. Um, I think project management as well, essentially each of these small side hustles are little projects that I'm managing. Projects. And mm. so that's, you know, um, even managing risk as well. So that's another skill that I would say has um, translated into my work. Um, mm-hmm. One thing I'll say about risk management that's interesting is like when I had the cupcake business in Nigeria, one risk I guess you have to manage is lack of power. Okay. And so mm-hmm. knowing that like the power can just what is go the one called in Nigeria? Nepa. Nepa. Well, the old is <laughs> Nepa is the old name. It's it's become PHCN now, but we all still say Nepa. Oh, okay. Like, is, did it get like privatized or something? No, it's still, I think they might be trying to privatize it. I don't know, but they changed the name to like power holding company of Nigeria, mm-hmm. but we all still say NEPA. That's like the name from. <laughs> okay. I, I feel but, like I've just seen this on Nigerian Twitter or something. Yeah. Like <laughs> up NEPA. I mean, every African country has their own. We, our, yeah. Ours is called Zessa and oh my God. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So like I can lose a whole batch of cupcakes if Nepa takes the light. And, mm. you know, so I had to learn what time, figure out the patterns to when the power will go off or go on and things like that. So that's like managing risk. And so I think with, with that, I'm also using <laughs> that skill, same skill set at work is like, okay, how do I anticipate what could go wrong with a certain transaction? And like, how do I manage risk accordingly? So yeah. <laughs> it's related. No, I love that. I recently listened to an HBR um, IdeaCast interview, um, one of the podcasts that I love so much, and they were talking about smart side hustles or side gigs, right? And that they actually, and it's a paper that has been published in HBR. They were talking about how they think everyone should have one. And, um, you know, and I, you actually confirmed a lot of what they said about how it can map into your role at work um and how your skill set just ampli- gets amplified right so i don't think a lot of um workplaces sort of support that fully um and or give people the opportunity to do that so thank you for sharing all of that uh, about your journey i love that yeah. <laughs> great so so jen you're this powerhouse of a woman with amazing hair by the way <laughs> Thank you. Thanks for the hair compliment. (laughs) I'm sure you're like the only one of you who looks like that in your 
in your office are they like uh do you have other black sisters around or no there are definitely yes there are a few uh black sisters around the floor um i would say over the years more and more are like embracing wearing the natural hair but when i first started working in corporate america and i went natural i think about nine months into working um there was no one walking around with their afro out nice. so so it was it was definitely you're just was out definitely, here yeah yeah i remember i mean I, I think i told you this before but yeah I, I showed up to work the first time i had my afro actually out um mm-hmm. someone was like oh my god you look like you have an attitude um i don't think they, they didn't mean it in a negative way but it was like right i guess people are used to seeing people come to work with their afros you know uh so Mm -hmm. so that's great because it leads into one of the sort of topics that are very prominent in how we experience workplaces as black women um Mm. and that's microaggressions (laughs) right so to just define it for everyone who's listening uh a microaggression is a statement action or incident regarded as an instance of indirect, subtle, or unintentional discrimination against members of a marginalized group, uh, such as race, ethnicity, or something like that. So it's this side comments that just happen around you. Um, and there is research that talks about, you know, how that actually affects performance of um, women of color in the workplace. So, Jen, how do you deal with that? Have people tried to touch your hair first of all? Because that's actually <laughs> it's my life. <laughs> so yeah, so fortunately not at work, but I would say outside work, I've had people ask me, um, mm-hmm. "Hey, like, can we touch your hair?" So I think depending on the like context and where the conversations, like what we're talking about, and then when it comes up, I'm. Sorry to offend anyone, but sometimes I allow people and turn it into an uh, educational moment. Like, okay, this is what my hair feels like. Don't, you know, go around okay. touching people's hair. Ask first, but like I kind of include it in my education about okay. black <laughs> women's hair. Um, if I do let people touch my hair, that's because I'm like educating them. Um, okay. But uh, I would say at, at work, the no one's trying to touch my hair, but I've had, you know, comments made, you know, like when I take out my braids and come to work without braids it's like people are shocked um, <laughs> <laughs> I, I remember like getting braids actually and then showing up and it was like oh my god you grew your hair grew yeah, yeah. <laughs> one night i'm like yeah and then when I'm switching, yeah when i'm switching back to braids or crochet it's i i think what i ended up doing is people ask what are you doing this weekend i'm like oh i'm actually getting my hair done I'm going to get crochet braids. And then mm-hmm. it's like, oh, what are crochet braids? And then I explain them. And so when Monday comes and I look different, no one's saying anything ignorant okay. or, you know, unintentionally ignorant, I guess. Right. So it's just like being open to educating. It's sometimes it's awkward and uncomfortable, but mm-hmm. I think I've just gotten comfortable just like telling people like, you know, that comment's not right. Don't say that, you know. Yeah. Um, <laughs> or yeah. here's why it can be perceived as offensive um so it's just educating and in times where i've gotten comments that i couldn't address directly i've definitely leveraged like my mentors um, okay. to have the conversation so i had like a manager 
uh, see my afro one time this was outside of the office but we were having a barbecue and he's just like oh my god what happened to your hair it's so different and everyone's looking like oh that's, that's so <laughs> weird on the spot, you know that's so weird and when and it's so, your manager too that's like ooh. exactly so it obviously yeah. made me and many other people around me un- uncomfortable and it wasn't something I, I felt comfortable addressing like telling him directly that bothered me so i used mm-hmm. you know spoke to my mentor and uh who had a conversation with him so that you know value of having mentors and other people uh, right work because, like you know advocate for you or like speak up for you when you can't so yeah let's <laughs> question have you had people speak up on your behalf when things like this happen oh yeah definitely so uh I would say this same manager, it's funny that I mentioned, like my mentor spoke to him, but also other people on the team submitted like anonymous um, feedback, essentially saying that, you know, what he said about Jennifer's hair, you know, um, yeah. wasn't right. So, and I didn't know this. It was actually, you know, someone, <laughs> I didn't know this at the time until, you know, that manager's manager basically told me like, hey, you didn't report this directly, but other people said this. So, which was great to hear other people who weren't Black, right. by the way, mm-hmm. realize that that was, um, you know, not appropriate to speak about my hair in certain ways. Yeah. So, yeah. That's good. And I think, yeah, That's part of it too was because I had told them yeah. Um, in the past like hey this is you know don't speak about people's yeah. hair this way this is how my hair grows um it's not unprofessional to you know rock my afro to work right. and things like that so so then i definitely think you're more patient than than most people <laughs> um and your it seems that your approach is to be more educational mm-hmm. um but don't you have moments where it's just not the day Oh yeah. Oh, definitely. (laughs) (laughs) Definitely. You know, know, when there are those conversations you can hear and you're like, I, I'm going to go to the bathroom. I don't, you know, I'm just going to step away. (laughs) Right. Right. (laughs) Deep breath. (laughs) And yeah. 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 Oh my gosh. Okay. So let's talk about your next step. Um, So Jen, you are on your way to Chicago booth. Yes, a long time coming. (laughs) (laughs) No, I am super proud of you for that. So tell tell our audience a little bit about that experience of applying to business school and and eventually getting in. Sure. So I'd worked for about five years in corporate America and, you know, started thinking about the things I was interested in. I knew that I wanted to get out of financial services, but then I also knew that I had this, you know, push to continue to be entrepreneurial, but hopefully scale my entrepreneurial ventures and those ideas. And hopefully, you know, um, have that intersect with developing Africa in a way. So doing more um, like social impact type um, entrepreneurship, or like I said, with the, you know, skincare personal care products is you know creating a company that uses local resources to um create great consumer products employ people empower farmers at home things like that so i started thinking about you know what i want to do when i grow up and always had this passion for africa not just coming from africa but grow up <laughs> yeah i know i'm so great <laughs> when i grow up hey but, listen you know, i'm I, still growing up too so okay, i completely yeah. feel you on that one <laughs> 
Yes. And then thinking of like my passion for Africa beyond just being from the continent, but also, you know, having worked there um, through internships and, you know, for a year after my undergrad and uh, wanting, having that desire to want to go back in some mm -hmm. way, I think it just made me think of what I could do to get a break from corporate America, um, reset, <laughs> get some new knowledge. And right. business school just sounded like a good idea um to you know study business to you know make a new network um you know refine my business ideas in a sense hopefully get business partners and access to funding um and things like that so that kind of is what pushed me to pursue getting an mba and then you know your the young african mba's <laughs> business school prep program like yeah, and it's part of our yamily we call ourselves the, a yamily yam yes but <laughs> appropriate so, yes. Yeah, uh, so but just just to tell yeah. people a little bit about this um mm -hmm. jen was one of uh, our students in a program that I co-lead called the Young African MBAs Business School Prep Program, where we are recruiting um, MBA, asp MBA aspiring candidates uh, in Africa and, on the, and in the diaspora who are of African descent uh, and coaching them through the process of getting into top MBA schools. And yes. Yes. So go ahead, Jen. <laughs> yes. So that was a great, 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 great program. Um, just working with the cohort and having that support system during, you know, studying for the GMAT, working on my essay, refining, you know, my goals and things like that. Getting support from you, Nadu, and my mentor, um, Kema. So that was an incredible experience. Uh, unfortunately, I ended up not getting into business school. I was waitlisted at a couple of programs, mm -hmm. but there were other personal things going on that made me realize it wasn't the right time to go to business school. Right. So, so, <laughs> so timing is so important to this process. Yes. Taking a step like this, right? Exactly. Um, that's one thing. But I think what I also love your story is your resilience that came out um, in going for it again when you had a different mindset altogether. Yes. I think with not getting it, it made me really sit down and think, like, do I, re do I really need to go back to school and get an MBA? And so um, I had more time to evaluate my goals. I obviously refined um, my application a little bit because I, I got a little bit more clarity on how exactly I wanted my post-MBA career to, to go and look like. Mm -hmm. And so um, I applied, I considered other schools that were a good fit for me. The first year I didn't apply to Chicago Booth. And the second year I looked into schools and I absolutely fell in love with Chicago Booth. And so <laughs> I was like, why didn't I apply the first time? <laughs> so, so it all worked out, you know, the second time around um, going through the process. And even though I wasn't in YAM, like, you, you know, the Yamily remained supportive and um, was a great support system for me. Right. So definitely grateful to have that <laughs> so what do you want to do with this mba <sighs> with this mba i hope to pivot like you know it's funny you write essays saying exactly what you want to do with the mba and then when right. you get in it's like oh just kidding <laughs> <laughs> well so so here's the thing remember what we always tell you guys right okay your application is a snapshot in time 
of mm-hmm. your dreams right now, mm-hmm. right? And then that's okay. Because once you start the program, you're going to get exposed to so much and mm-hmm. you should be open to change. So I won't be surprised if a year from now, after you finish your first year, you have an entirely different idea of what you want to do. And that's totally okay. That's yeah. the whole point of going into this program. Exactly. So I'm trying to be extremely open-minded. I still have my goals in mind of, you know, wanting to do entrepreneurship on the continent, work with farmers, create products, things like that. But I'm also, I also really want to take advantage of the MBA to just get exposure to everything that's out there. Mm-hmm. Fortunately, Chicago Booth is, you know, extremely flexible program. Mm-hmm. And so I hope to take advantage of that flexibility. <laughs> so I'm like promoting the school here, guys. <laughs> <laughs> of that flexibility to just see what everything that's out there and uh hopefully like refine my goals and you know okay no that's great i'm super excited for you i think um you know i enjoyed my mba experience and obviously we coach you guys to go and use that experience to shape your dreams and Mm -hmm. obviously always excited to see african talent coming up um in the pipeline as well so Great. Yeah. Dan, what is your hype pop song? My hype pop song is it's an old song from college, like <laughs> but it's by Mean Mims. Mims, uh-huh. Mims I guess. M-I-M-S. If you move if you wanna that's okay. the song. I yes. Love it. <laughs> yeah. So if I play it, it gets me hype, like working out or mm-hmm. you know, if I'm down, it's a pick me up. So I love it. Yes. And what three words would you describe yourself with? Hmm. Let me see. I think one would be adventurous. Mm-hmm. Um, just being open to go to strange places, um, <laughs> new places each time. Um, I think that comes up in my travels, in my willingness to work in a place like Salt Lake City, Utah, mm-hmm. um, or even coming to America <laughs> from, uh, you know, northern Nigeria, where, like, no one in my family had, had come here before. So I would say adventurous is one. Resilient, which you mentioned, so I definitely agree, mm-hmm. is, is resilient in, you know, to keep pursuing my goals, even, even if I encounter failures or rejection along the way, is to stay resilient and keep pushing. Mm-hmm. Um, let me see. The third one we've talked about this. I think, I guess, entrepreneurial. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's always looking for a new idea or a new hustle. To right. Work on. So the Niger yeah. way, <laughs> the Niger way, <laughs> you know it. <laughs> I know it. I know what's up. I know what's up. Um, Jen, to just finish off our conversation, what two pieces of advice would you have for other women of color out there in the corporate world? Hmm. I think one is to be open-minded. Mm-hmm. Um, just, just be open to new experiences. Be, you know, open to being the only person who looks like you in the room. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you, got, you have to do that so you can, you know, blaze the trail for someone else behind you right. so, so definitely want to be open-minded let me see what the second one hmm. let me think i think the second one is to like have mentors have okay. 
mentors have someone a friend said have ventars <laughs> people, you can, people you can vent to and rant yeah. to um as well so just building relationships and those relationships don't necessarily have to be with other women of color people who look like you sometimes mm-hmm. it's people who are completely opposite from you who will be just great mentors um right as well so just being open to you know building those relationships that will be a great support system for you throughout the way yeah great Mm -hmm. well jan it was so nice to talk to you thank you so much for having me (laughs) you look amazing you're like glowing and everything i'm so happy that thank you. you. It's my black dermatologist, guys. Get you <laughs> a black dermatologist. Get you a black dermatologist. <laughs> <laughs> no, I love it. Um, thank you so much for coming onto the podcast and um, and sharing your story with us. Yes, and thank you for being a great mentor and friend um, and supporting me throughout this journey. So I'm extremely grateful. Super. All right. Well, I'll catch up with you another time. All right. Chat soon. Bye. Bye. Thanks so much for listening to Jen's story. I hope you are as inspired by her as I am. I would love, love to hear your thoughts on the episode and anything that you learned or you were triggered on. Um, so do come over to the B Squared C Instagram or to my LinkedIn page or the LinkedIn page of B Squared C and share your comments or just DM me. Just yesterday, B Squared C finally became available on Apple Podcasts, which is sort of a milestone given that it took some two weeks and a resubmission of my request. So... My friends with iPhones, I'm excited to tell you that you can now subscribe to B Squared C. You can rate us and you can also comment on iTunes. And this really, really helps the podcast become more visible and um, accessible to other people who may be looking for content like this. You can still find B Squared C on Spotify, Google Podcasts, and on the Anchor website, amongst other platforms. And episodes will keep dropping every Thursday. Next week, I'll be reflecting on a theme or two that came out of the conversation with Jen. I hope you will join me then. Until next week, I'm your host, Nancy. Be safe, be empowered, and stay inspired.